Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity of hearing your word. Lord, you say you sent your word and it heals our disease. I pray that one soul or anyone who is gasping for the light and the healing that comes from your word, that you may grant such a soul this healing. May your spirit accompany the entrance of your word that it may bring salvation to every hungry soul. This is our earnest prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maranatha, October 12th, day that pierced him. Ye shall see the Son of Man sitting in the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Mark 14, verse 62. As they, the Jewish rulers, gaze upon his glory, there flashes before their minds the memory of the Son of Man clad in the garb of humanity. They remember how they treated him, how they refused him, and pressed close to the side of the great apostate. The scenes of Christ's life appear before them in all their clearness. All he did, all he said, the humiliation to which he descended to save them from the taint of sin rises before them in condemnation. They behold him riding into Jerusalem and see him break into an agony of tears over the impenitent city that would not receive his message. His voice, which was heard in invitation, in entreaty, in tones of tender solicitude, seems again to fall upon their ears. The scene in the Garden of Gethsemane rises before them, and they hear Christ's amazing prayer. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Again, they hear the voice of Pilate saying, I find in him no fault at all. They see the shameful scene in the judgment hall when Barabbas stood by the side of Christ and they had the privilege of choosing the guiltless one. They hear again the words of Pilate, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? They hear the response, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas. To the question of Pilate, What shall I do with then with Jesus? The answer comes, Let him be crucified. Again, they see their sacrifice, bearing the reproach of the cross. They hear the loud, triumphant tones, tauntingly exclaim, If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. He saved others, himself he cannot save. Now they behold him not in the garden of Gethsemane, not in the judgment hall, not on the cross of Calvary. The signs of his humiliation have passed away, and they look upon the face of God, the face they spit upon, the face which priests 
and rulers struck with the palms of their hands. Now, the truth in all this vividness is revealed to them. Amen. In John 16, verses 13, the Bible says that, Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. And the Bible, Jesus Himself will say, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. Now, it continues that in verse um, 8 and when he is come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go my father to my father and ye see me no more and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged I have yet many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. So when Christ was living, he sent the Holy Spirit. It was the agency of the Holy Spirit that was to take the position of expounding. Remember, it says it shall convince the world of sin. One of the, the first line in our devotion says that when Jesus is, co- is coming, that the memory will flash back to the scenes that the people who followed Jesus, who crucified Jesus, had participated in. And every conviction that the Holy Spirit has brought upon us, there's a record of it in heaven. Yesterday, when you were reading the devotion on talent, said everyone fulfilled duty. And my mind started, I said, man, this is a serious work. And we were told here that Whatever that this man did to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will bring it afresh in their minds. And that brings to us the need to search our hearts. We are told in I think Second Corinthians four or thirteen verse five, Paul will say, Examine yourselves, whether you be in faith. Now is the time of salvation. We need to take our time to really know the convictions that God has put in our minds and take them seriously. And make amends what needs to be done to fulfill those duties most of the sins here mentioned or what is the crime of most of these people are corporate in the sense that those who are responsible influence those who are their followers and nobody was seemed to be saying what is right because of what others were saying so we have to be careful what we are agreeing to there's a record of it as surely as the Holy Spirit has convinced us of it, we may not need another person to tell you about it. We should just have time to evaluate ourselves and take up the duty that God expects us to carry. I pray as we do these things, God will enable us to walk in righteousness. Amen. Amen. I want to make the point that we each have an individual responsibility and accountability to God. I'm reading Luke 23 from verse 18. This scene at that that faithful day when Christ was to be sacrificed. 16, I'm reading from verse 18. The previous ones we already know. As uh, when Pilate had sent him to Herod and he is back again to Pilate's judgment hall 
and now he's making a request about uh, releasing Christ in verse 16. I will therefore chastise him and release him. But then verse 18 begins, and they cried out all out, they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas. <laughs> Who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, this is three times now, Why, what, ha- what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. I pause before I continue. So he delivered Jesus to their will while Barabbas was released as a free man. So today, someone says that we should um, repent of our sins and then talks about the dress we wear or talks about, talks about uh, the sins that are committed by many. You know the word, the word of God condemns these sins, but then you condemn that individual, and then you uphold the hands of the evildoers. You uphold the hands of those who are uh, nearly naked or stark naked, those who open their chests and flaunt it before people. You glorify them, but when one says this sin is bad, you, you strike that person with your tongue and join the multitude to say, crucify him, crucify him. Such sins are being repeated today, and may God help us not to join in these individuals because, as I said, I will make the point that we will have an individual responsibility. But that is just a way in which it is being done today, apart from the way it is done. it was done at that time. Verse 26, And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people, and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never give suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? I will stop here. Now, there are two individuals mentioned, two sets of individuals. Some people were saying, crucify him, away with him, crucify him, while others were weeping for Christ. Wow, this man has been a blessing to me. This man has healed my child. This man has blessed my child. He has given me the hope of a better life. He has saved me from my sin. Why will you kill him? Leave him alone. They were weeping, and Jesus opened his lips to bless them. Jesus opened his lips to comfort them, but he never opened his lips to speak to those who were saying, crucify him, crucify him. He uttered not one word of blessing, but he gave them a promise, you will see me when I'm coming again. So, on that faithful day, 
the angels were recording these two categories of individuals. When these women will arise in the resurrection, they will hear the peace that Jesus spoke to them as at that time reflecting even at the resurrection. They will thank God that they are part of those who rose with, uh, in the first resurrection. Why? On that day, it was recorded for them for righteousness that they stood with the downtrodden. They stood with the oppressed. They stood with him who had no helper. There was nobody to give him anything. There was nobody to stand for him in the judgment. But at least they spoke. They, they, people heard them cry for Christ's sake. And there was a blessing pronounced upon them. God did not, because of the totality of everybody's sin, judge them. Rather, he gave them his righteousness. He singled them out. And we see that in scripture. But those other individuals who, who joined the majority and followed where the fashion was going and followed where the, um, where the pastors were speaking about, where, where the elders were pointing out that that is the right way because um, uh, the whole world is following it, those individuals, it is recorded against them. And when that day comes and the books are going to be opened, they will be afraid of the terrible thing that they did on that time. Today, each day, there's a choice for us whether we're going to be with the oppressed, with Jesus and his cause, as the world looks down upon it, or whether you're going to join the multitude, you have an accountability to settle. You have an account to settle with God, and you're accountable for every decision you make. You're accountable for the way you lent your voice. You're accountable for where you lent your influence. You're accountable for what you spent your time in. Also, I'm reminded, uh, I, I remember Exodus chapter 23, verse uh, two and three, where it says, Do not join a multitude to do evil. We can see so many examples in the Bible where individuals who stood for their integrity they were blessed. They were blessed because they stood for God. God sees every individual as an individual, irrespective of the decision you make. But He understands that the decisions of others can influence you, and that is why He says, Take heed, do not join a multitude to do evil. You should know the word of the Lord and what it says, what is right and what is wrong. And when a matter comes to your ears to settle which part is righteous before God and which part is wrong before God, take heed that whatever choice you make is recorded before, you, before, uh, before God against or for your name. And, and, and you are going to find it and meet it again in a time when you never expected May God help us not to be part of the individuals who will make light of the situation, who will see the oppressed, uh, see the oppressed uh, taking advantage of, and then we don't do anything about it. Rather, even if we can't do anything about it with our own power, at least let us show that that is wrong. Speak out with our voice, or even if it is weeping, or uh, by our influence, let us do something, and heaven will know that this thing that this person is doing is right. May God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Says Jesus, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? Why did Pilate refuse to deliver Jesus? I'll read Desire of Ages 738 and we'll have a glimpse of what he wanted to gain and then lose his own soul. I read, Pilate longed to deliver Jesus, but he saw that he could not do this and yet retain his own position and honor. 
Rather than lose his worldly power, he chose to sacrifice an innocent life. How many to escape loss or suffering in like manner sacrifice principle? Conscience and duty point one way and self-interest points another. The current sets strongly in the wrong direction and he who compromises with evil is swept away into the thick darkness of guilt. Pilate yielded to the demands of the mob. Rather than risk losing his position, he delivered Jesus up to be crucified. But in spite of his precautions, the very thing he dreaded afterward came upon him. His honors were stripped from him. He was cast down from his high office and stung by remorse and wounded pride. Not long after the crucifixion, he ended his own life. So, all who compromise with sin will gain only sorrow and ruin. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14 verse 12 You can remember, Pilate's wife had a dream, and she came and told the husband, I was troubled in my dream. I have nothing to do with the death of this man. Pilate himself bore witness, I find no fault in this man. But you notice in the reading, he did not want to lose his position. So, position and honor and the praise, pride, was what he was trying to keep or preserve. And Jesus asked, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? What are you chasing for and breaking the principles of God? Has God spoken to you through the word? Have you received the convictions of the Holy Spirit on different subjects, lies or adultery or what to eat, what to drink, what to say and what not to say? Or maybe you are ashamed of what people will say. Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me, I will also be ashamed of him before my father. The Bible would say in Revelation 22 verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. There's a blessing attached to keeping God's commandment. We should not break down the principles of God's law so that we may gain something here. Somebody may say, if I write that exam or Sabbath, or if I do that job interview, or if I don't sleep with that man, I can't get that job, or if I don't change my date of birth certificate, or if I don't just reduce my EA by one, I can't go for that service. I can't be able to have a certificate and then get a job. No, I have to do a lie. But do you not know, friend, that you are forfeiting the kingdom of God by telling a lie? Or by breaking the Sabbath? Or by worshipping graven images, praying to images that you claim may be the image of Mary or the image of Jesus or the image of other so-called gods. Do you not know that when you take your time, your God-given time to be wasting in drinking and playing games 
and in doing all sorts of evil that are against both your body and your against your maker do you not know friend that you are losing eternal life you have to stand bold some of us are afraid of what our friends would say the bible would say in revelation 21 verse 7 he that overcometh shall inherit all things and i will be his god and he shall be my son there's a prize attached to overcoming do not follow the multitude like my brother has said you know it's a sin to be a coward as solemn as this word is it's a sin to be ashamed of what the truth is it's a sin verse 8 says but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and homongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their path part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death did you notice the bible says the fearful and the unbelieving fear the bible says perfect love casteth out all fear we should not walk by fear walk by faith and love in christ so my brethren i pray i pray that we will not be like the class we have read about now who crucified jesus for their worldly honor or what people will say but i will stand bold like daniel though the whole world stand against us amen reading paragraph one paragraph two they behold him riding into jerusalem that is behold christ riding into jerusalem and they see him break into an agony of tears over the impenitent city that would not receive his message mark that point his voice which was heard in invitation in entreaty in tones of tender solicitude seems again to fall upon their ears the scene in the garden of gethsemane rises before them and they hear christ's amazing prayer father if it be possible let this cup pass from me this is another point to mark now the last point to mark is the area where it says in the third second to last paragraph again they see their sacrifice bearing the reproach of the cross they hear the loud and triumphant tones tauntingly exclaim if thou be the son of god come down from the cross he saved others himself he cannot save this is the third point we're going to mark now let's go back to the first one the first one being that he wept with an agony of tears over the penitent city that would not receive his message anytime you hear the word of the lord it is christ speaking to your soul whether you accept it or do not accept it your refusal or acceptance does not give the qualification to the word of the lord the word of the lord is the word of the lord whether you believe it or not but it will be the word of the lord to you if you accept it and it will work in your heart the behold jesus riding into jerusalem this is the second paragraph and they see him break into an agony of tears over the, over the impenitent city that would not receive his message. His voice was heard in invitation, in entreaty, 
in tones of tender solicitude seems again to fall upon their ears. That's one point. The, the point there is that Jesus is crying or he weeps when his message is not received. And we know that his message is our salvation. His message of repentance from sins and power to live above sin. He comes with that message that he is the only one or he is the only channel through which we may be saved. And he weeps when we reject his message as he weeps over impenitent Jerusalem. Impenitent simply means one who will not turn to God and who will not repent of his sins. How many times have you made Jesus to cry? This is his own beloved people. This is his church members. He's not talking about Muslims. He's not talking about people who have never confessed his name before, like the Hindus or the or the Confucius. Uh, He's talking about Christians here. Those who have heard his message before. Have you heard his message? In what areas have you heard it? Has he affected one thing or the other in your life? What have you done about it? Are you making Jesus to weep? He's entreating your heart service and inviting you to join him so that he may save you from sin. Now, the next point here is the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane rises before them and they hear Christ's amazing prayer. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Who was making this prayer and for whom? The way English language will always ask. Christ was the one making this prayer and he was making it for you. You who is despising his message. You who is despising whatever thing that he has sent to you. When you hear the voice of his words through his servants, through the word of God, your own private study, or through something that convicts your conscience of what is duty, and you reject it, you are making this prayer to be something useless in your life. Imagine Christ praying that let God allow him to leave the cross. But because of it, he will say, no, not my will, but let that will be done. Then let's travel down to the second to last paragraph. Again, they see their sacrifice bearing the reproach of the cross. They hear the loud, triumphant tones, tauntingly exclaim, If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. He was the Son of God, and he is the Son of God. But he hung down the cross for your sake and for my sake. Not because of any sin he has committed, but for your sins he hung there on the cross. You cannot deny that you don't have any sin. At least you know that before God you are guilty. But he did not come down from the cross. And for this he was taunted. He was told that he saved others himself he could not save. Jesus wanted to save you, but he didn't want to save himself. He allowed himself to be condemned. He allowed himself to die under the wrath of God but you he wants to save and for this sake he was taunted will you let all these taunts be in vain that, so indeed that Jesus can save other people then you, you are not part of the people that he wants to save you want to die the death that he died no you cannot do that he doesn't want you to do that and that is why he has taken that cup and he has drunk it for you and he weeps when you reject his mercies. If you are the father or the mother of a child, 
you know that you are going through thick, thick and thin to ensure that this child will be fed, clothed. And then you come after you have suffered and you have brought that money for food. You cook the food and you give to the child. And the child says, no, mommy, I'm not eating. Why? I don't want to eat your food. And you know the child, this child will die of hunger. He's not eating any other place. In fact, what is, he's just like that. And you give the child food. Take this food to eat and you refuse. So, you know that even you, you who is giving the food, you will not be happy because you know that child is just killing himself or herself. This is the kind of experience that Jesus passed through. The awful moment had come. I'm reading from Sons of the Time, January 15, 1902, paragraph 9 and 10. The awful moment had come. That moment which was to decide the destiny of the world. The faith of humanity trembled in the balance. My faith and your faith trembled in the balance. Christ might even now refuse to drink the cup apportioned to guilty man. It was not yet too late. He might leave man to perish in his iniquity. He might say, let the transgressor receive the penalty of his sin and I will go back to my father. Will the son of God drink the bitter cup of humility and agony? Will the innocent suffer the consequences of the curse of sin to save the guilty? The words fall tremblingly from his lips. Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Three times has he uttered that prayer. Three times has humanity shrunk from that last crowning sacrifice. Three times. But now, the history of the human race comes up before the world's redeemer. He sees that the transgressors of the law you and I, if left to ourselves, must perish. He sees the power of sin. The woes and lamentations of a doomed world rise before him. He beholds its impending fate and his decision is made. He will save man at any cost to himself. He will become the propitiation of a race that has willed to sin. Now I'll ask you the question. Have you willed to sin? Jesus said he will save man at any cost. Do you know that? Do you know this is what Jesus is saying about you today? Today, I don't mean tomorrow. You, especially, who is listening, he will save you at any cost. Does it give you hope? Don't think that Jesus will cast you away because of what you have done, and then because of that, you now write him off and say, okay. This sin is vain. I will not continue. I've tried. I've tried. It's not working. This religion is vain. He has pledged that he will save you at any cost. And he has shown that on the cross. He could have come down, but he refused to come down for your sake. Now, please don't let him weep again. He's weeping over impenitent ones. Don't join in that number whom he's weeping over. I'll give you the experience of one man who refused to allow Jesus weep over him. This is the experience of the second criminal that was crucified by his side. Luke 23 verse 39 was. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, imagine God being in the same condemnation with you. For your sake, Jesus took your condemnation and he's being condemned as you are supposed to be condemned. And we indeed justly, 
for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee today, Today shall thou be, Verily I say unto thee today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, Jesus made this promise to this man because this man realized that the one who was hanging on the cross was the Son of God who died for him. To you today, you can be, you can take the same history this man has taken and know that Jesus will save you at any cost to himself. Even on the cross there, Jesus was willing to give salvation to the criminal, condemned criminal. And today we know we are going to meet him at the, second, at the first resurrection. Brother or sister, don't join the other malefactor to tell Jesus, if you are Christ, do this. If you are this, do that. Just know that for your sake, he has borne all these things. And then tell him, please, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Cleanse my heart. Give me thy hope. Give me a new heart. Repentance from sins. And let me be thy disciple. If you do this, he has pledged he will save you at all costs. Go with him and you will not be you will not you will not be ashamed. You will not regret it. May God have mercy upon every one of us who is listening and help us not to be on the other part whom he wept over in Jesus' name. Amen. To those who are tempted, who are struggling with standing for right, I have a word of consolation for you to those who have been tormented by the guilt of their sins hear the words of the Lord who tried tempted so remember that he who suffered in Gethsemane is your savior he is touched with the feeling of your infirmities for he was in all points tempted like as you are because of this he is able to succor them that are tempted. He was made perfect through suffering. He is watching over you, trembling child of God. Are you tempted? He will deliver. Are you weak? He will strengthen. Are you ignorant? He will enlighten. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Whatever your anxieties and trials, spread out your case before the Lord. Your spirit will be traced, braced for endurance. The way will be opened for you to disentangle yourself from embarrassment and difficulty. The weaker and more helpless you know yourself to be, the stronger will you become in his strength. To all who are reaching out to feel the guiding hand of God, the moment of greatest discouragement is the time when divine help is nearest. They will look back with thankfulness on their darkest part of their night, of their way. From every temptation and every trial, they will come forth with final faith and a richer experience. Signs of the Time, January 15, 1902, paragraph 12. May the Lord bless you. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for tonight. 
We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. We thank you that now is a time of salvation. Now is a time for us to seek your face. For you said, seek ye my face. Oh Lord, you said we shall seek you when you are near. We shall ask for you when, and we shall find you when we seek you with all our heart. Oh Lord, we do not want to be part of those whom we have seen in this reading. We are going to remember all that you have gone through for our sakes, for their condemnation. No, but we want us to think about these things now for our salvation. Thank you that at all costs you want to deliver us. Help us not to join the multitude in sin. Rather, give us courage, Lord. Anyone who is doubting, anyone who is fearful, who is cowardly, give us courage to break free from the world's customs and to stand in independence in Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, you can do this for you have promised to save men at all costs. Thank you, oh Lord, that you want to save us. We want to be like the thief whom you saved so that we can join you when you come again in the clouds of heaven. Now, Lord, give us grace that we shall stand for you and confess you before men as our Lord and Savior in our lives and through our works. Thank you for you have heard our prayer. Give us a double portion of your spirit. Thank you for receiving, O oh Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.